Welcome back to Mon Men. I am Yanato Blue here once again with Michael Darling, as always. And this week we are joined by John Perez, joining us from the world of the funny books. <laughs> John, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, if you'd like to start off the show by telling us a little bit about your background with Pokemon and a little bit about yourself. Oh, my background with Pokemon. Uh, well, I'm kind of uh, the Gen 1, Gen 2. Uh, demographic where you pretty much started out in that kind of area of uh, Pokemon like right when you're in middle school and such um, I think I mentioned uh, off air uh, that I was actually really into Gen 1 and Gen 2 I even uh, I beat all I beat uh, red blue yellow uh, got Pokemon Stadium uh, Pokemon Snap uh, then, when I ran out of content, I imported silver in Japanese, <laughs> beat the game in Japanese, uh, then did the whole Kanto uh, replay, uh, and then once uh, silver came out in uh, English, I beat it again, <laughs> so <laughs> I was so... a little... So, a clarifying question about the term "beat it" with Pokemon. Does that oh, mean? Yeah, okay, does that mean you got the one fifty one fifty one? Yeah, yeah, I got the one fifty one on wow. that one, and then uh, uh, okay, remind me again, it was two fifty, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. two fifty. Uh, but I was also, I was also a uh, Meryl Truther. Uh, mm. <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about? Where in the original ones, like we thought that Meryl uh, was Pika Blue. Was Pika Blue that yeah. like. He existed somewhere <laughs> in those original uh, games. Uh, oh my god! So that was my extent, and I think like most people, when we grow older, we we sort of uh, moved away from it. Although, like you know, I was an avid watcher of the anime as well, but I think I sort of fall started falling off of that as well when I realized Ash wasn't aging. He was kind of like this bitcher Dorian mm -hmm. Gray, where it's like <laughs> he kept getting younger and I kept getting older, and it really creeped <laughs> me the hell out. Like that's what I love about Ash Ketchum. I keep getting older and he stays the same age <laughs> oh boy i i don't know if you've seen like the recent uh anime sort of like update series that they've been doing they're still following ash but they've definitely changed his design to reflect his 12 year old status a lot more like he looks a lot younger yeah um whereas like in the original show like he definitely looked more like a 16 yeah I with like 14 or something yeah but, you know, so your expertise in, in all of the original 151 being established, you know who is developing expertise in the original 151 as we go through this? Yo, mama. Mon Mare. Would you like to join us for a game of Mon Mom? I would be delighted. All right. So for listeners new to the show and those returning who are familiar with the game, Mon Mom is the game that we start every episode off with. I've sent my mom a picture of one of this week's Pokemon. Uh, this week we are going through Snorlax and Deboids. We've got Articuno, Zapdos, and Moltres this week. My mom is going to describe this Pokemon. She's going to give it a name, and it will be up to our guest to compete against Mr. Darling to see who can guess which one she's talking about. <laughs> uh, reminder that since we are in the closing portion of this generation and Michael Darling has clinched the tie, he is gamely offered to allow the guest to pick first and to lock him out of picking a particular Pokemon. <laughs> Mr. Darling, do you still agree to these terms? Sure. All right, here we go. This Pokemon looks like a fancy parakeet. I will name it Kana. Okay. So to be clear, the name is Hannah? K 
Kana. Kana. C A N A. She actually she actually typed it out for me. Huh. Oh nice. my goodness. Uh, I'm going to be like that new pitcher that like you put out in the new season and just immediately like throws nothing but strikes. Uh, all right, I'm gonna say Articuno. Uh, <laughs> okay. So a fancy parakeet, eh? Fancy parakeet. Huh. Is it Snorlax? You know, that no. could be a fancy parakeet. <laughs> he could be a very fat, fancy it's parakeet. True. I don't know. I think she might be going with something that's a little more, or you might have given her something that's a bit more feathery. Uh, I think Articuno would have been my guess, but since that's locked out, I'm going to go with Moltres. Well, I got to say, the lockout did work to defend and push the guest host what? up. Articuno oh. is it. Shenanigans. Shenanigans. Shenanigans indeed, but we are now 10 to 9 with one more episode to go. Mr. Darling, thank you for keeping things interesting. We now have a dramatic... Don't worry, I have I have a dramatic finale planned for the last episode of Mon Mom, but don't worry. I will surprise you with that. For now, let's start off with uh, the very fancy fat chocobo of a Pokemon, Snorlax. Oh, lord, he coming. <laughs> thank you for that. Ladies and gentlemen, Snorlax it is a normal type Pokemon. Uh, and you first encounter it when it's blocking routes 12 and 16. And there's only two of these in the entire red, blue, and yellow cartridges. Okay, so I am a big fan of this Pokemon, and I actually petitioned in the notes for this to kind of get like an honorary legendary status. <laughs> because... Well, it is an event Pokemon, basically. It is an event Pokemon. I think in Gen 1, I think there are two you can catch. Yeah, that's because what Because there are 12 two... and routes 12 and route yeah. 16. Yeah, so, and, you know, I think aside from just, like, the sort of spirit that's attached itself to this Pokemon, like, it's up there as one of the most recognizable, fun Pokemon that's just <laughs> kind of persisted throughout the generations. Um, but it's also just a great example in that first game, especially of, like, great gameplay design, in my opinion. You know, they had a, they needed a stage gate in the game to control player advancement, and they didn't just make it like, a, hey, you need to find this item, they found a way to tie it into the lore of the world where you need this item because there is a Pokemon blocking the way. Hmm. And it is reflective of the Pokemon's nature. It is reflective of the Pokemon's physicality that you cannot get around it. Um, although the Poke although it is noted in the lore that in the Pokedex, like they're so peaceful that little kids can play on their tummy. Yes. <laughs> um, this is adorable. I mean, this is a sweetheart of a Pokemon. There's a big, gentle giant that also knows Hyper Beam and can destroy you. <laughs> yeah, it was it was another case of Ash being OP. Uh, I was about to say, like, I never really played... Uh, I'm trying to remember if I even caught him in the... No, I, I must have, because yeah. I got the all uh, 151. But I don't ever remember, like, using him outside of just, like, when I originally got him. But then when they did the remake, uh, um, uh, one for the Switch... Uh, Oh, uh, let's, pay, go. Uh, you let's go. Let's yeah. uh, go. I I finally tried to kind of integrate him into my party, but like I, he's so hard to kind of balance <laughs> a crew with. Like yeah. he, he he just kind of I I don't know why. It may be from my years playing uh WoW, like all those decades ago. Um, that I just think like he's just that tank. He's the first one you throw out, and he just gets all the damage, uh, and he just whittles out because he does no damage. He does he can take all this uh, this damage, but he does absolutely nothing. So I just kind of let him whittle down like the uh, the enemy, and then just uh, recall him when I want to like throw in my damage dealer. But yeah, I I remembered him just being 
utterly useless. <laughs> oh, yeah. In I the mean, original games. Well, it's got Hyper Beam, which can cause some massive damage for a normal type attack. Yeah. But, yeah. And, and it another... can surf, which is useful, honestly. <laughs> yeah, which is surprising. I mean, that big boy can surf. but um. And the one thing I do love about him is... Uh, uh, when you have him as your follower in, in Let's Go, mm. uh, you can jump on his belly. <laughs> 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 yeah, that, that is why he's... That, oh, I think that is honestly why I was trying to get him to work in a party, just so I could just ride on that belly <laughs> throughout the entire game. Uh, one of my favorite things in the game is that mechanic you're talking about of having the Pokemon follow you, because they have that in the Let's Go games and also the Heart Gold and Soul Silver remakes. And what is always hilarious to me is you'd be walking around with a legendary Pokemon, and no one would comment on it. Like, oh, hey, just going to say my normal NPC dialogue here. Not at all shocked by the fact that you have, you know, the god of time wandering right behind you. Um, and the other thing I really loved about it is just it seemed like the first game that actually acknowledged the Pokemon scale. Hmm. Uh, because up to that point, it seemed like they were always that obligatory, like, fits into 24 pixels. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the isometric like, square. Yeah. Isometric square. But it, this really, I, I mean, like I said, I fell off around Gen 3 or 4 or something like that. So I'm sure they started at least acknowledging their scale. But this one, it really did seem <laughs> like they're like really acknowledging their scale. I'm hoping the uh, Sword and Shield, they they continue mm. that. I, I got to imagine they are. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think in... In the originals, Snorlax, when it's lying down, takes up what, like four tiles? No, it takes up a regular one tile because it's at the, as I recall, it's at the intersection of two normal paths. So the square it's taking huh. up is just a normal isometric square. I thought it, it was... like bleeds out of that square in terms of its sprite, but huh, I thought like the roads were always kind of two spaces. So it was like two tiles for you to walk on. You could go like up, down, and just walk back and forth if you were completely ridiculous. I could. So be I wrong. think it was a four-tile sprite. Point is, this thing's big. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I, mean, uh, I think the hit path uh, probably would have been uh, one tile. I, I I think you yeah. If you look it up, but I do remember it being uh, sort of uh, on the small side of things because I think they really only had in the original games like one type of uh, icon that they could use like for that uh, that space right there. So I don't know. Um, I, I definitely like to look it up because uh, I remember, you know, going back to way back when I, I played the original ones, um, the St. Anne moving, like leaving shore. Oh, yeah. That seemed like a, oh, a yeah. work of a video game <laughs> FX voodoo for yeah. me. Like, uh, so to, to me, yeah, up to that point, I think only seeing like one uh, pixel worth of movement. Did you find the reference? Oh, yeah, I was wrong. It seems that it was just one, one pixel. pixel. Yeah. Uh, wow. And huh. I probably got, yeah. Um, bigger uh, in my mind. Maybe uh, it was bigger in like gold and silver or something. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I come from the background of, yeah. uh, uh, for those of you, because I didn't give that proper of an introduction, uh, I come from the background of, I'm an ex video game developer. I am a writer, comic writer, and such. So I understand the limitations of certain mechanics uh they probably created a character mechanic meaning it could only function on one tile uh worth of stuff so Mm -hmm. then uh whenever you had to have a complex movement uh, you either Mm. fade to black or something Uh, like that and then it's just um automatically gone so then like like i was saying going back to the saint anne leaving shore i was like oh that was a uh, feat of uh, video game art. <laughs> I mean, the interesting thing about role-playing games as video games is that they were 
asking the player to entertain the same theater of the mind that role-playing games that people had had since the 60s, like Dungeons & Dragons, were asking players to do, which is, yeah, you're sitting at a table, but you are picturing these amazing moves, magic, and things like that. Same thing goes for Pokemon, same thing goes for Final Fantasy on the NES and things like that, where, yes, your characters are all standing in a row, or these Pokemon are just little sprite on the bottom half of the screen, but you get to imagine the battle that's taking place. Mm. It is not as stationary as people make it fun, make fun of it for being. Yes, it is turn-based for the sake of organization, but, you know, we're meant to imagine these things. So the th same thing goes for the St. Anne, where it is a representative thing, even if the scale is completely off. Like, in the world representation, as I recall, the St. Anne took up, like, what, like a total of four squares? Oh. Uh. And your character takes up one, so, like, the Saint, your character is one quarter <laughs> the size like, of the St. Anne. I'll look up the ah. SS Anne. <laughs> I want to uh. say it was a little bit bigger than most other things. I think it was designed to look like it was more impressive than the rest of the world. Oh, yeah. No, this was... Look at this thing. This was huge. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I was like, wow. saying, yeah, like yeah. when okay, I so saw yeah. that thing depart the shore, my God, my imagination uh, went wild and led mm -hmm. me to pursue a path in video game development. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I mean... Well, so and that's what makes the Mew truck so much weirder is this little highly detailed sprite that they've created of oh, this truck that exists nowhere else in the game. You know this rumor, right? Yeah, it's an asset that wasn't used elsewhere in the game. Yeah. We're going to discuss this more in depth next episode, yeah. but there is a rumor around Mew having been hidden under an isolated truck uh, that you have to surf through, surf to in an otherwise unaccessible area, and turns out there's actually nothing under there. But what was weird about it was that it was this weirdly specific truck sprite that's not used anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah, given the context of the SS Anne, uh, it's even more I, confusing. I'm telling you, Meryl yeah. Truther. Meryl Truther. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually Mar Meryl Mar under Mar the Wait, what, what was the uh, okay? Meryl. What was the other name for it before? Well, Pika Blue is what Pika everyone Blue, was calling it. Well, I I could have swore everyone was calling him Meryl or something else. Huh. Uh, uh, back then, uh, because we we're just going off of whatever was floating around. Yeah. Uh, kind of. Uh, uh, on the internets way back in the day, but mm. yeah, I was uh, we we were really convinced that Pika Blue was in uh, the original uh, red red blue uh, yellow. Yeah, um, but who knows? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we know missing no was. <laughs> there we go. It's wild to me. Just speaking one more thing on the graphics. It's weird to me that I had that memory of it being four sprites or you know four tiles wide. Mm -hmm. Uh, when it wasn't. I think it just speaks to how big Snorlax is supposed to be, how we're supposed to imagine it is. Well, yeah. I mean, darling, on a previous episode, we discussed the Mandela effect and that you and I are from the two split timelines that have joined. Or did we? <laughs> yes, we did. And I'm continuing my diplomatic entreaties to you from the Berenstain Bears world, where you grew up in the Berenstain Bears world. What? Um, wait, you just said Berenstain you... twice. Did I? Sorry. I meant to say <laughs> Steenstein. Um... <laughs> You've heard the you've no. heard this whole thing. No, please enlighten me. So I'm this is what, something this, every day. This is one of my favorite this is one of my favorite dumb internet theories. It's that because some people remember things one way versus another way, like the fact that some people are convinced that Nen Nelson Mandela died in prison. Oh my um, god. Or Which that, is why it's called the Mandela effect. Or that the Berenstein Bears is pronounced with S T E I N oh as opposed to Stain S T A I N. Which at like least that. in our reality that's how it's spelled. Or that Sinbad supposedly acted in a movie where he was a genie. Um 
called Shazam. Not to be confused with I the have superhero no clue movie. what you're talking about. Or no. and Shaquille O'Neal as the, none, none of these, these things, things are genius. Shazam. <laughs> but we believe Kazam. that we are now living in a mixed universe where a multiverse somehow crossed paths and, oh my depo- and deposited certain people here. When are we going to get on the good timeline again? Hmm. Well, that's what we're trying to do through this <laughs> podcast. So Michael Darling comes from the Foursquare Snorlax universe. I come where, from the where they somehow, like Game Freak, way back in the day, they finally got the technology for a four for, for a four, four tiles. They, right. yeah. they set aside the RAM to represent Snorlax's scale properly. Uh, I love it. I love it. Uh. But um, speaking of Snorlax's scale, um, I do want to point out that this boy eats 900 pounds of food a day. Um, and we've touched on Pokemon eating other Pokemon, and even though he's noted as a vegetarian. <laughs> so this actually goes back to one of the original uh, Mon Appetit questions that we had back in the first episode. Is it technically vegetarian to eat Pokemon? Well, if Snorlax is a well, vegetarian... Well, Pokemon specifically. True. But Snorlax is noted as being a vegetarian, but... It's also noted as being able to eat mucks. So is that like the ke- paleo diet diet or something yeah. like that? <laughs> is muck is muck keto friendly? <laughs> First off, like no, well, never mind. No, <laughs> go for it. No, I was go about to say it. like what what millennial uh, thing can afford to eat that much food and that much Pokemon uh, these days? Um, anyway, I know. Well, Pokemon is a post scarcity world, so there's uh, yeah, that. Yeah, it has. Okay, this is going to be the long... Has anyone discussed the economic, socio-political, anything of the Pokemon universe? Like, what is... Are they a capitalist society? Are they a socialist society? Are they a communistic society? It's definitely a utopic socialist society. Utopian socialism? Because they don't seem to have any leaders. There's maybe the occasional mayor who's also a gym leader. Well, they have universal health care. Yes. They have universal health care. Well, for Pokemon, at least. We don't know They do have capitalism. Clearly, they yeah, have some capitalism. Well, I mean, the whole system is based on Pokemon, though. Nordic, uh, you know, lo- those Balkan countries that have like, you know, utopian society, they still have corporations, but they're kind of government sort of co-owned. Maybe? I mean, they kind of maybe they have the well, same kind of idea. like post-scarcity Star Trek situation because I hmm. guess nobody really has to. Like, there can be wealth, but there's yeah. no necessity or want. Yeah. I, mean, I don't. Can, I, yeah, you uh, can make a lot of Poke dollars just going around being a Pokemon trainer. I'm pretty sure the only homeless people we encounter in the show, Pokemon, are homeless by choice. Oh, really? And they're hermits. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're they're like, but there's no, there's never a person who's like truly down on their luck because of like not ma- being able to make money. And how do they make money? I I mean, no, no. I know there are maybe there's shops. I, I know there's uh, but. Well, there, there, yeah. is there basic income? Is, is there, ba- <laughs> is there well, a basic seems... income like that everyone's given? Like you, you know, you get uh, fifteen hundred. Uh, what, what's the currency in the Pokemon universe? Poke dollars. Poke dollars. You get like fifteen hundred Poke dollars uh, a month, and then whatever you want to do with your life outside of that uh, universal income uh, <laughs> is up to you. Well, Be it like you know, an unpaid. Well. Do, if you get higher in the Poké ranks, do you get, like, sponsorship, corporate sponsorship? Well, I think that's something that we'll know more about in Sword and Shield. I think uh, that's going to be an element mm. of that, maybe? So uh, it's ba- so Sword and Shield is basically going to be the NBA 2K of Pokémon games? Ish, but well, what's very <laughs> interesting is they just announced this uh, the other day. Uh, in Sword and Shield, there's going to be 18 gyms, but only 
they're divided into two leagues, like a minor league and a major league, so nine in each. Uh, and what I love about that is that it's strongly implied that since this is England, basically, that they're oh. doing, there's relegation and promotion within the Pokemon gyms. So, like, every year there's a different set of nine that are in the majors, and some get sent down, some get sent up. Yeah, I mean, I feel like in the Pokemon show we could see mo there were moments I can remember where Ash didn't have enough money for something cool and luxurious, but we never, ever saw them having to work odd jobs mm. to afford food or buy, like, necessities. I remember in the game the bike costs more than you could ever get in the game. Oh, yeah. Uh, but... He gives it to you for free so you can show off how oh, yeah. you've got this cool They have an influencer bike. society. Yeah, it, they do. It, I, well, I, yeah, I do recall, like, pretty much everyone is giving you stuff in that entire game. Like, everyone's just giving you free shit yeah. uh, everywhere you turn once you get to it. So maybe it's just individual prestige. Yeah. Like, that's it. Like, there's oh. no money, but it's hmm. just, like, how, how well you uh, become a social media <laughs> influencer well, or we something know like that. Well, can produce small amounts of change. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, so they're able to generate money at will. Yeah. And it's not like leprechaun money in Harry Potter where it vanishes <laughs> after, like, three hours. Uh, I, I want to pose this question to you. Why do you think they're choosing uh, the England setting uh, for Pokemon? Because I think they're still trying – they want to be that last person through the door to exploit that Game of Thrones Anglophile kind <laughs> of <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> guys that's going on. Do you, what, what's your, th your uh, logic behind it? It seems too modern England for that, though. Well, still. If there's a Galexit reference I in there, we'll know why. <laughs> There's literally like a wall, though. There, there is a wall that's supposed to, right? There's like a mountain range or something. When I look at the map, it looks hmm. like they're trying to either reference Hadrian's Wall hmm. or like the wall from Game of Thrones. I don't know. If that's, <laughs> that's just me still like having uh, I mean, latent uh, anchor at the finale. Hmm. <laughs> as much as I know that I'm going to be right there with the Twitterati dissecting the implications about capitalism and the Industrial Revolution's <laughs> impact on the Pokemon world, I think it might have been as simple as I have an idea for a wheezing that looks like inbred nobility. <laughs> <laughs> or what if we evolve Duck with Stick and make him a knight? Let us make him. I said I we said this last time. It is God. Sir Duck with Stick. Oh to yeah. You. Well, I, I said Duck with Stick and evolve him. I didn't. I just didn't name the name. Uh, if I can go off on one more tangent, um, because I, I I promise That's I promise I promise we'll get back on track. I, I see these notes. You have a lot to get through. <laughs> uh, like, what is the controversy over the live Pokedex with the new game? I I've seen something like about that, and I guess I've been so disconnected. I'm not really sure what people are angry about. Oh well, the short version is this is the first game since uh, Emerald and no wait, uh, Ruby and Sapphire where you won't be able to bring Pokemon from. Wait, no, let me start over, though. <laughs> let me start at the beginning. Yeah. So, basically, this is the first game where not every Pokemon will be included in the data. So, like, not every Pokemon has appeared in every game, but you could bring every Pokemon to every game. Like, there's no, uh, let's just say Zapdos in uh, Sun and Moon, but you could bring a Zapdos over. Ah. In this one, there's going to be basically just the ones that are in the Galar Pokedex, and we don't know how big that Pokedex is, which means there's going to be some roster cuts. Oh. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I can understand, like, the completionist getting kind of angry about yeah. stuff like that. But, I, I, I mean, like, it sounds like, and again, going back to game dev person, uh, like, they probably had some limitations in technology. Oh, yeah. They're just jumping the into a new... Uh, 
field completely, so they're they probably just don't want to add that yeah. extra storage. When, when you guys, like, we can either fit in one hundred of the classic Pokemon, or we can have these five hundred Pokemon <laughs> get super big. <laughs> uh, I think the thing that gets me is that I have a strong suspicion that every one of the original one fifty one will get in. Which yeah. I'm very tired of them getting the special treatment like that. Well, it's a blurring effect. Oh, you haven't heard of the blurring effect? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that, I'm coining that term from the Red Letter Media people. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you watch the Red Letter Media uh, stuff, uh, but I forget which review it was on. Um, I think it was a Star Trek review, actually, the first uh, Star Trek movie, where, Plinkett review, um, where he talked about the blurring effect, where the further back you go in time, the clearer our memory of a particular thing is. Mm. That's why we seem to be remaking franchises from the 60s and the and like the 70s and stuff, okay. and Star Wars and stuff like that. Because back then there was less stuff being bombarded at us. There was like only like four channels, like maybe two movies came out a month, and like the, and you had books. Uh, <laughs> these days, there's so much. A game is coming out like every five seconds. You have like the internet. Uh, you have Facebook. You have Twitter. There is so much streaming shows that I don't even. I'm intimidated. I don't watch television because I'm like so intimidated <laughs> by like there's too much stuff. I'm like, what if what if I get it wrong? What if I watch it wrong? Uh, so like that is why going backwards. Uh, our memory becomes more crystal clear. So, as far as the w original 151 goes, like I think they're giving it special treatment because everyone's memory was mm. a bit more clear. Because back then, when you think about it, like there really, really wasn't any competitors to Pokemon. Uh, you had like it, that was it. How long was the gap between uh, the first Pokemon and uh, Gold Silver? Probably like. Three I think it was something like yeah, it was three, it was three yeah, years. Yeah, it was like uh, three years. No, Even it less, wasn't maybe. I don't think it was that bad. I think it was maybe two because I think it was like two thousand. I think it was a bigger gap between gold, silver, silver, and the subsequent generation. Yeah, because I think hmm. they didn't they fill it with uh, wasn't yellow just essentially a filler game. Yeah, between, yeah. between then, yeah, they did red and blue, then yellow, then gold and silver, then crystal. And I don't know how long it was before they then did the Game Boy Advance. I think there was a generational yeah. a gap between the two that delayed the next Pokemon. But game anyway, going to the the blurring thing, are we have such a more of a formative memory of the original 151 hmm. in that era? That's kind of why you constantly hear people saying, "Oh yeah, I remember the Gen One. I could name Zapdos and all this stuff." And then the further you get out, when there's more competition, more other things out there, like our memory becomes really hmm. fuzzy. Um, so that, that, oh, yeah. that's why I think the 151 kind of get the special treatment yeah. and like all the other stuff, like they'll probably be in the new one. That's why they were the rollout for, uh, Pokemon Go and stuff like yeah. that. I mean, with uh, Go, I'm, it makes more sense to me just because it's like, we're going in order. Yeah. That's, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. But I, mean, I, oh, sorry. Sorry. No, but I mean, I was just going to support your theory because I was just thinking about the fact that like, what show did I watch on Netflix three-ish months ago that I liked? And I was able to remember, and it took some thinking to remember, Lovesick is that show. Oh my god. <laughs> Great show. I cannot recall half of the plot details for huh. you, which it, is a shame. It happens these days, and that is why, I mean, yeah, no one wants to make original shows, original video games, anything these days. All has to be pre-established in the universe and da-da-da. But you start noticing that we're remaking the same, like, 18 properties that came out in like 1974 or something like huh. that over and over or have their roots back then or yeah. you know comic books like we're we're revisiting all these uh marvel characters and st and 
DC characters that more or less had their like kind of gold or silver age in the 60s to 70s era, the 80s as well. But like again, it's just because there was less stuff out there to like kind of yeah. influence. We have like media overload, uh, yeah. social media and yeah. stuff like that. So that's why we're kind of they always think it's a sure bet, and it's kind of again, it's that blurring effect thing. So, so that's why uh, the fourth Terminator reboot, reboot <laughs> is coming out this year. And I mean, that, but that's Seriously, also the fourth time they tried uh, to reboot this thing. But that right there is also why it well, is. Speak important. about timelines. What timeline is that on now? Oh, Jesus like, uh, <laughs> like how does Vendella fit into that? Oy. the Terminator timeline. How it works is that it starts with the first one, and in that one from the future. Uh, Kyle is sent. Kyle? Yeah, Kyle Reese. I'm editing all this out, so please go. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Reese is sent from the future to 1980 something, and then there's the second Terminator, and then every other Terminator mover after that, you just take the timeline and crumple it into a ball, and then scribble a few other things on there, and then you tear it up and staple well, it think- together with some other stuff. Well, so speaking to the to reflect it in the Mandela theory, like I pointed <laughs> out that there are two universes, the Berenstein Berenstain universes. What the Terminator movies, I think, eventually state explicitly by the time long after most of us had stopped paying attention, is time travels fucked you. No, it's that in every major installment that we've seen, or every franchise like franchise iteration we've seen, there is a split, and oh, we're yeah. seeing a movie from Steen, Stain, Stein. <laughs> Steen, Steenberg, <laughs> and like so on and so forth, and that none of these are actually happening on a continuum per se, or a straight line as we like to picture time being. It's actually like a fractal splitting, oh, yeah. splitting, splitting, and we're just picking and choosing down. That's points. interesting. I don't know who said who said that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I, it's the only explanation. I remember going to a panel at Comic Con for the TV show, and the lead writer or something said like every single new thing that comes out is just an expression of the Terminator, <laughs> I mean, and that might have been his way of like basically saying don't scream at us because the continuity is all screwed up. It <laughs> sounds like some an impressionistic franchise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really sounds like some retroactive like the oh, dog I love ate that. my oh, homework don't bullshit. You, oh yeah, don't, uh, the Star Wars universe and the retroactive like. Yeah. Ca- as far as I'm concerned, and this will probably be the most controversial, like nothing outside of the movies matter, because like they <laughs> they will like all the video games, uh, all the comic books, every the novels and all this stuff. They will like be lockstep with whatever the movie, the way a, a lightsaber works, mm-hmm. uh, where where they introduce the dual blade lightsaber and it, oh, there has to be a single crystal and the light is shining through it and stuff <laughs> like that. And every single thing, and then like a new movie comes out, it's like no, it's like a switchblade now. And it's like guess what? <laughs> it retroactively the switchblade lightsabers are gonna start yeah. existing five thousand years in the old Republic era and stuff like that. It, the movies yeah. are the only thing that oh, matters. Yeah, no, it's true. Like Disney has said that everything that is produced now is canon. But yeah, it's definitely yeah, they dumped out the like old... what thirty years of EU stuff. Yeah, which you know there was. Let's be real. The EU only had some really great. Well, had only some really great stuff in there, which like Thrawn they've already put into the new continuity. But point being. Like, even with the old EU, they had, like, layers of canon, which was the first one. This was true. They actually had actual code for it. Like, there was G-Code, which is George, which is the movies. The movies and the TV shows, the things that he oversaw personally, were the things that were, whatever this says, this is the truth. So those things were in a safe G-spot. I I refuse to acknowledge that joke. When I was (laughs) getting my my grad... uh, my MFA uh, in screenwriting. Uh, I interned at um, Kenny Marshall, 
which is Kathleen Kennedy oh, yeah. and Frank Marshall's uh, place. And, you know, I Kath, Kathy was always up in uh, Northern California. Frank was there. He liked sports documentaries and stuff. <laughs> um Another aside, and this is going to be... Uh, I'm we'll sorry, this is like the inception of like... Uh, we'll get back to uh, We're eventually. never going to get back to Zap. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not uh, happy if the show uh, is any less okay. than 60%. Ian, Ian, <laughs> okay, uh, Fra- Frank Marshall and Kathleen Kennedy, married, producing a couple. They produce all Steven Spielberg stuff. You walk into their office, and... Off to the corner, there's, like, one of the small DeLorean uh, models that I think was used for Back to the Future 3. So there's the DeLorean. And then right next to it is this plastic transparent tub of just all these, like, debris particles. Like, it looks like asbestos. And you're like... What is that? And like a like an office manager will come by. It's like, oh yeah, that's the house from Poltergeist. <laughs> oh, that's oh, good. That's so it's good. just one of those things that's there just because they know it's gonna put like at, you're gonna ask a question as to what that is. Yeah, uh, but what I was gonna say is like, yeah, running um that uh that company that franchise is like a hurricane. And I I give I know a lot of people on the internet like hate on some of the decisions they made, but like, I think they're doing the best they can. Cause it's like a hurricane that is just constantly spinning I mean, and you can only really direct it in some direct. Sometimes you can direct it away from Puerto Rico, but most of the time it's just going <laughs> to smash through Puerto Rico, they, Florida, all this stuff. And tons of people are going to be angry and sad and lose their life. They really had one moment when they bought out the franchise to do what they did. Like yeah. if they tried to simplify it any moment later, you know, and I think they made it a manageable franchise. And I think they and they still left the door open for all these expansions, all these tangents and offshoots, like the Mandalorians coming out and mm. all that sort of thing. So, I mean, it's great that they took the moment to kind of clean house a little bit and get yeah. it in order and, like, reestablish a mythos that actually is consistent and makes sense, which, so far, the first two episodes of the new trilogy have done yeah. pretty well. Like, you know, I know a lot of people were, like, I remember one of the big outcries being against Ryan Johnson's like whole force projection thing with Luke Skywalker. And then he like had that great video on Twitter where he showed the official star Wars, like Bible or compendium or whatever, oh, yeah. and cited that as a known Jedi. Oh my power God. He needs to get off Twitter. I mean, I like, I, and it's funny. I love, right. He grew up uh, actually the town over. Cause I grew up in Laguna beach and he grew up oh. in um, Dana point or San Clemente. I forget. And if you've seen his first film, uh, brick, it's actually set in like San Clemente. Oh really? Uh, really and it, it's like, it, and it has such that like South orange County, like dry suburbia vibe. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've ever seen, brick, oh, yeah. but it, it's, brick. it's a, it's a lovely film. And I've loved all of his films. Up until Last Jedi. <laughs> oh, wow. Are you excited for Knives Out, though? Oh, uh, yeah, I am. I, I heard it's actually a um, a, a good satire on uh, what, what what was it? Uh, white Privilege. Interesting. Uh, uh, that's what I Ooh, heard. I'm like, feels, I love that. That adds I, you're, fire you're to my theory. Good back to – wait, what is it? I have the a theory based – yeah, the Daniel Craig theory. I think that the trailer is a uh, is misleading us to think that Daniel Craig is the lead throughout the movie. Oh. Um, the way I watched the trailer and I like reinterpret I interpreted the scenes that he's in. I think that he actually gets killed in the first thirty minutes of the movie, and it's actually Lakeith Stanfield that leads the investigation throughout. Oh, I like that. Yeah, no, I've signed because I think that. it would be a great twist if like you have him, especially in the trailers. Like, let's yeah. have the trailers and everything, and it would be a very Ryan Johnson type of twist. Like, let's have it be like 
hey, he's going to be the cliche old-timey detective that's like talking in his crazy accent. <laughs> um, I love that Daniel Craig has now entered a phase where he's just doing ridiculous southern accents. I think he's earned it. Oh, yeah. No, like between that and Logan Lucky. Like, um, he, he is if hit. he does that in the next Bond, I'll be on board. Yep. And I'm going to be very transparent about this segue. I think he's hit that legendary status. We still have Snorlax to discuss. <laughs> then close us out. <laughs> we have two pages of Snorlax material. No, we've gotten through most of them. Okay. Um, so here's a fun, wonderful bit about Snorlax. Snorlax is based not on any particular animal, but on a real human being. So Game Freak programmer Koji Nishino, who we will include a photo of in the notes, uh, he looks just like Snorlax or vice versa. According to designer Ken Sugimori, uh, quote, Nishino was this huge, with this huge appearance, was the model for the Snorlax Pokemon, though he's abnormally fussy about cute things. Uh, so Nishino is, in fact, a little chubby, and all the photos I could find of him have his eyes at half-mast, like Snorlaxes are. <laughs> and he, apparently Nishino is on record as saying that he thinks of Snorlax as his child. Oh my That's beautiful. God. Yeah. Uh, in fact, he makes a non-player character, non-playable character cameo in the Game Freak building in black and white, in which he says, and this is an actual quote, I'm Snorlax. No, no, I'm the planner. I didn't mean to butt in, but the item leftovers is important, isn't it? Yeah. And I just want to throw out one more thought here. What do we think about the fact that in every Pokemon game, the Game Freak programmers have an appearance as themselves, talking about how they're making the video game that you are playing right now? I mean, I love meta shit like that, and I think they deserve it. Yes. Give the video game uh, programmers a cameo in the game. Don't give them health benefits or union representation <laughs> or any. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what Game Freak's practices are, personally. I haven't looked uh, it up. I, no video, to, to the best of my knowledge, no video game studio anywhere in the universe is uh, unionized hmm. yet. Uh, there is a push for it, but uh, let's see. Um <laughs> hmm. they are really i guess here's the big issue is uh, a lot of these unions that crop up um are really influenced by the companies so that makes mm. them a company uh. union uh, uh. <laughs> if you've ever heard the term company union that's actually uh pretty much a, a pejorative because uh, it means that they're they're really just serving the influence of um of the influence i mean technically uh speaking at i, I the Academy of Motion Picture mm. Arts and Sciences was a uh, union busting company uh, really? way back in the day. Because huh. uh, they, in the early days of film and animation, uh, you either had two choices. Uh, you were part of a union that was really influenced by the companies. Um, you're part of a union that was uh, pretty much bought out by the mob. Uh, like Atsi, uh, early hmm. on in the early days of the 1930s and such, it was uh, influenced by a gangster named uh, Willie Byoff. Um, or you joined up with unions that were heavily influenced by communists. Uh, so you kind of <laughs> like... Good one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, back in the day, back they in the day, the was, it was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, so I, it, it is a hard uh, bargain. These days, you know, now, now, you know, who cares about socialism? Great. Um. Anyways, <laughs> that is well, back to our back back to back to yeah back to our utopian dream and Snorlax, <laughs> which one day we'll get through, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think. Do we have anything else to have about Snorlax here? 
No, I think we're good to go. If okay. you want to queue us All up right. for the legendary birds. So. All right. So, legendary birds. These are our first ever legendaries in the entire spectrum of the game. Uh, and so, before we get into the individual birds, I just had a few thoughts I'd like to share. Uh, so, first question for the group. How old were you when you realized that they were Arctic Uno, Zap Dos, and Mole Trace? 32. Today, years old. Uh, it is rude to ask a person their age, <laughs> <laughs> but I will say right now, <laughs> I'm not alone. This has been a running thing on this podcast for me where I finally learned the play on the name of Ash Ketchum. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> that Ekans was snake spelled backwards. There have been some other ones. <laughs> <sighs> They're all based on mythic creatures, and I think all of them are awe-inspiring in a different way. So they're appropriate for the title Legendary. Uh, and there's also only one of them in each game, which means that if you were stupid enough to KO them and also save your game, fuck you, you don't get another shot at them, ever. In later generations, they'd make it so if you KO'd a Legendary and you beat the Elite Four, the Legendary would pop back up where it's supposed to be. But in red and blue and yellow... You're out of luck. So you could get second and third chances because you could always run through the Elite Four multiple times, right? Yeah, in the... I mean, in every generation you can do that, but only in later gens. I don't know when this started, but only in later gens can you go back and uh, rebattle a legendary that you KO'd earlier. Mm. In this first generation, you're out of luck. Uh, and one last fun fact. The Japanese names of these birds are Freezer, Thunder, and Fire. I think Freezer is a little ridiculous. It should just be Freeze. Hmm. But I love Thunder and Fire for the idea that these birds are just so primal and elemental in their nature that they don't even have names. They're just the actual thing they cause. Going back to my uh, one-tile game mechanic theory, I, I vaguely remember every time you would encounter them, they would all have the same uh, like bird, 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 yeah, generic right. bird. Yeah. It started driving me nuts after a while. I think it <laughs> drove me nuts more um, when you encountered um, Mewtwo and he had the generic – what what, what type? The, generic the monster, monster one. Monster yeah. one, and then – when the you encounter, yeah, yeah, it was like the rhino, and then you encountered Mew, and it had the same graphic as well, correct? Or wait, uh, well, you on the sidebar when yeah. you're going through your team, yeah, it had that same. Graphic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, when you encounter him in the world as well, yeah, and you're right in the sidebar. Well, because Mew, you would only get through trade uh, through special events yeah, or yeah, through. Yeah. Cheating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're but right. You've never, you never encountered in the overworld. Yeah, but it was the same graphic, and yeah. that drove me nuts as yeah. well. So, like, <laughs> I don't know. That stuff drove me, especially because it was a generic bird one, and they're supposed to be, like, legendary freaking, like, they're supposedly <laughs> elements of nature. They're supposed to be embodiments of, like, those three elements, mm. and they look freaking like a Pidgeotto. Yeah. So, <laughs> so to launch into the broader mythos on them, because I have my own headcanon on this, but you seem to be implying that you think that they're magical in origin. Or supernatural. Well, I mean, if we want to talk about embodiments of their elements. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, you first. No, you first. no, 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 you. Uh, I wouldn't say that they're quote unquote magical. I just say that I think a thing with most of the legendaries is that it's implied, at least in the early generations and in the anime, that these are one of a kind, rare, possibly immortal creatures mm. uh, that are known, if not for actually causing havoc, because I don't think these birds are malevolent there's nothing in the pokedex that indicate that uh other pokemon there's maybe some malevolence to them but they are treated as being like these one-of-a-kind rare 
incredibly powerful. Uh, they're basically like you're a twelve year old and you've caught God. So do you think they are Thor or the Incredible Hulk? Mm. Huh. Because so you're saying one is one was born this way, the other was mutated in some way. Because the headcanon I kind of prefer and that I've always kind of had is that if we're going to explain these with biology, they have to be mortal creatures. Mm. Um, until huh. we actually meet a creature that is explicitly immortal, which is literally God, <laughs> like Gen 7 or whatever. Four. Four. These are living creatures. Granted, they're super fucking rare, hmm. but I just think that... Um, I think that these, and I point this out in all three, and I'll just get to this one, get this out of the way, is that Articuno, Zapdos, and Moltres each resemble previous Pokemon that we've seen in this first gen. Um, Zapdos looks a hell of a lot like a Spearow. Um, just mm. supercharged with electricity and blown up. Well, and with a hummingbird beak now. Well, it's still, you, you see where yeah. I'm saying, there's oh, like yeah. such an obvious I, template I, I where it looks like an Incredible Hulk electric version <laughs> of a Spearow. Moltres looks like an Incredible Hulk fire version of a Fero. And uh, Articuno looks like an Incredible Hulk ice version of a Pidgeot with the accentuated tail and all that sort of thing. So I just think that these are mutations um, or, you know, singular evolutions that just do not happen except in, uh, in huh. like a Neo, the one is an anomaly that occurs systemically. Uh, yeah, that's, well, type of thing. Well, that's the, a theory I've never heard or no, thought of before, but it's, it's like an extreme shining. Uh, just, sorry, I'll, oh, sorry, I'll sorry, let sorry, you in yeah, one yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just playing off of that for one quick sec, it is canon in uh, Gold and Silver that the legendary beasts were uh, revived by Ho-Oh using other Pokemon that had burned down in this tower, or had yeah, we'll get to that in a year or so. But point is, in that case, it sounds like it was specifically that these three Pokemon were then transformed into the legendary beasts. Whereas there's nothing that's really supporting that theory with the birds in game. I think the yeah. birds are naturally occurring phenomena. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that's well, that's what I'm saying is that like I think that they are naturally occurring, but they are naturally occurring mutations. Hmm. Yeah, and like I I creatures. I think I agree with that as well because I have this. Well, just my observation, and, like, my observation isn't uh, as informed <laughs> as it pretty much ends with, like, uh, gold and silver. Uh, I don't think magic exists in this world. I think everything is naturally occurring. Even the stuff, even ghosts and stuff like this, I believe that there is no magic. There is no god. There is nothing. Huh. Everything is part of this natural world. And that's why I say they have elemental influence on weather and stuff like that, and why they would be more of a mutation versus like some magical deity and such. And I'm only thinking back, uh, and my only kind of evidence that I have to that is... I think the second movie, uh, mm. what was the second movie with Lugia and stuff? Because uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on the movie um, 2000. Yeah, you do that, 2000. <laughs> um, I, I, again, this goes back to the blurring effect. My, I, nothing registered in that mo movie other than Lugia, who is like my OG, like favorite uh, yeah. Pokemon ever. I still have a plushie somewhere in my house of him. Nice, nice. Um, a very androgynous bad guy who like had like some makeup thing going on, and he was a Pokemon card collector. If yeah, I yeah, because the yeah. ancient Mew card yeah, is in there, yeah. which is very weird. To uh, me. And then something about uh, the ocean current being 
thrown out of balance by what he was doing. And I forget what exactly it was. Was what? it he was trying to capture the three birds yes. so that that would cause Lugia to appear? Yes. And that's why I'm saying, like, see, they influence the world. But I don't think they influence the world through magic. I think they influence it through their natural state of being. Maybe they are a mutation of some equilibrium that needed to exist in this world. So I don't think magic exists in Pokemon. There's no god. It's a world of... Uh, utter pain except for the literal pokemon that's said to have created yeah. the world see there's the thing is that the theology even within the universe supports his stance because <laughs> you can literally thunder punch god yeah, yeah. So. well i mean i'm not saying that they're magic i'm saying like who's to say immortality is not natural for these creatures hmm. uh i'm saying that like there is an explanation for why uh there's the pokedex entry from moltres about how it brings spring with it, and it's like, no, no. What happens is that it shows up around springtime when everything is starting to get warm. It's not directly so you're, related. So this you're willing I'm, to blame on the 12-year-olds that are writing the Pokedex. Oh, no, I'm willing to blame everything on the 12-year-olds. <laughs> the, the Pokedex is strictly 12-year-old canon. Um, <laughs> it is written by 12-year-olds sent out by old men wearing lab coats who just have to sit around counting Pidgeys all day. Uh, <laughs> so This is our show canon that we've established for the Pokedex. <laughs> Every so often they get something that is accurate because it's just something like, oh, I saw an Electabuzz serving as a lightning rod. That must be true. I mean, the key example that we have is Metapod, which is noted in the Pokedex as being hard as steel, yeah. but it can still be broken open. What if, like, the entire, like, their, their entire knowledge of this world is just based off, like, what is it, the Bulba... The Bulbapedia. Bulbapedia, <laughs> <laughs> which is, like, that's it. It's, like, there is no knowledge. It's just the only universal encyclopedia is the Bulbapedia, uh, which so can funny. be rewritten by a 12-year-old yeah. if they're angry, yeah. if they oh, haven't yeah. had, had their sugar for the day. Yeah, yeah. so... I think, anyhow, I think they are three naturally occurring phenomena uh, that just seem elemental because they're incredibly rare. They're maybe probably one of a kind. It gets blurrier as we get into later generations where suddenly it's like, the thing I loved about the first two generations was it did serve as a complete one and two because mm. the birds don't appear in heart, uh, sorry, in gold, silver, and crystal because presumably red caught them. Neither does Mewtwo for that purpose and Mewtwo we know is one of a kind hmm. however then later generations you can catch Mewtwo somewhere else because well no one has a yellow cart sitting around that they could just transfer Mewtwo from so we got to put Mewtwo somewhere right I mean I'm the same thing really the impressed and... that after all these years they have not given in and done a Mew 3 <laughs> <laughs> I mean, considering they've done a mega evolution <laughs> two of them yeah but wait they what is Mewtwo's Japanese name or is it Mewtwo I think I don't know. We'll have to look. I think it uh, might be sorry. Mewtwo. Oh, no. Because uh, I know it might in be. later generations, they tried to make the uh, legendary names universal. Oh. So, so to bring us back to... Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, so I don't want, we, we literally are going to be discussing this Pokemon in the next episode, so mm -hmm. I don't want to veer off on that tangent. But I do want to say that one thing that I... That another thing that I'm going to admire the gameplay design and also the lore design in this is that they avoid a pitfall of so many other shows and also properties. Um of not making their legendaries overpowered um you know there is a i do complain a lot about ash being saved for, by deus ex machina um like snorlax <laughs> having like hyper beam that he just caught and never trained like magically <laughs> being able to save him and then the show having to like write that pokemon alpha's team for whatever reason oh. when it became too op um 
like Kingler, he used it once in the Pokemon League. It won him a battle, and then he had to like pretty much drop it back with Professor Oak or let it go or something like that. Charizard, once Charizard started being his go-to powerhouse, he had to let Charizard go to the island of Charizards to train. Um, well, I mean, Charizard I... also didn't respect him. Yeah. And can you blame Charizard? Yeah, but it's surprising that this anime has been going for so long. And I mean, even if it is a pretty transparent, like, let's write this powerful Pokemon off the show... Like they're do they're maintaining stakes, which other anime have not been able to do. I mean, Dragon Ball Z had to constantly increase the power <laughs> levels. <to> like, <laughs> ridic- and like one of my favorite comics from uh, I think it was Dorkly did a comic that like said, what if one of these enemies that they eventually had to hit Super Saiyan level eight to fight like showed up a year earlier? And so it's just like, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> like if Majin Buu showed up instead of Raditz in the first oh. episode. Oh my goodness, yeah, that would have been terrible because they were just written to just be slightly strong. Yeah, somehow <laughs> everybody showed up at just the right. Well, <laughs> I, I think half the reason I fell off of the anime was because like Ash uh, Satoshi or whatever, um, <laughs> he sucked. God, he did like. Oh, have, yeah. have we talked? Have you guys discussed oh. like the red uh, Satoshi convergence? Like those two timelines of like in this timeline, he is like the red wor- is hyper competent uh, and yeah. the greatest ever. He's gone off to a mountain to train yeah. on his own. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you saw Whereas silhouettes Ash's. of Red in the anime that Ash idolized. And I think that's where he modeled his like whole look. Oh, from. so you think uh, Red is a different character in the I, anime? Yeah, because I feel they like both seem to have the same rival. Because I, I feel like in the show he. What if he's his father? No, I'm kidding. Uh, uh, Giovanni's but, his father. Uh, <laughs> but I feel like there were things Professor like in or the or show or where oh. he would be talking about the Pokemon champion. I want to be the Pokemon champion. I want to be the best. And you would see silhouettes of a guy that looked like Red. I feel like just the same way like in detective pikachu we saw oh, that God. trainer in the ad at the beginning mm. who we guessed was that ash or was that red maybe who's like getting a sponsorship advertising deal um oh wait is the movie now canon in this universe or is that kind of uh, i feel like the movie it's like multiverse like oh, i love well. that in uh some of the last few pokemon games in omega ruby alpha sapphire as well as sun moon and ultra sun moon they've basically made can that there's a Pokemon multiverse out there. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Wasn't there like a Samurai game too where it was like kind of Dynasty? You're right. Yeah. 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 I, I never played it, but I do remember seeing Pokemon an Pokemon advert- Conquest, I think. It's like a crossover with some Japanese series and it's kind of like Fire Emblem, but you're a... I love that. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Oh, I was detail, thinking it was like Pokemon are- Dynasty Warriors. Do you guys oh, remember that? Oh. Flashy game? Yeah. Uh, they've done like the Hyrule Warriors, which oh, yeah. is that. Uh, but no, this is like, I've never played it, but I know the premise is you are basically a Japanese feudal lord and you use Pokemon. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh... Which I'm not even going to get into the implications of electricity in Pokemon, in Pokemon feudal Japan. Oh, that's right. Well, I mean, you'd need something for the electricity to kind of resonate on. Well, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, armor and stuff like that. Well, the world keeps breaking as I keep discussing this. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 Uh, there well, we go. I'm breaking but, I break in the universe. Yeah. There is no god. There is no magic. <laughs> there's a multiverse. I've ruined Pokemon. It for is all canon these in the Pokemon games that there is a multiverse. And in fact, in... Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, there's a post-game event where Giovanni from one universe has teamed up with every villain team leader from other universes, oh. all of whom were successful in their endeavors 
So you have to fight them, and Giovanni has a Mewtwo. Oh, my uh, God. The other ones have, like, their respective legendaries. It's a really cool thing wow. that they did. I've been missing out. Yeah. Wait, didn't Giovanni, like, kill himself or something? Like, that was implied in one I of mean, the games. That that is... One, that he's Ash's father, and two, that he, like, committed suicide. <laughs> We one, know that's that not implied he's Ash's father. He is Ash's yeah, father. Yeah, I, I like it. I, you know, that is a that, – if yeah. they leaned into that, especially in the anime, which they won't because they're cowards, yep. uh, that would be like yeah. – I would jump back into that series like, no, tomorrow. But, it's like, uh, well, Giovanni's also the Batman of the Pokemon universe is what, what? we've established. Like, so, but villainous. The villainous Batman? Uh, I think he's like kind of like he was on a villainous track. Like he's if Lex Luthor, some it's like one of those like DC one-off type of things oh where like God. Lex Luthor has to become Batman because he realizes yeah. the error of his ways. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what we know about Giovanni from the games, at least the prime Giovanni, we'll call yeah. him, uh, is that he wound up retiring from Team Rocket, disappearing, and there's a special event you can do if you got like a special event Pokemon. In Heart Gold and Soul Silver, where you'll fight him as he's hiding in a cave, basically. Yeah. So he's gone full Bin Laden, really. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, but I thought it was like, and again, I'm only piecing this together from like clips on YouTube that I've seen like sporadically uh, late at night uh, with nothing better to do but like go down the <laughs> deep dive of like conspiracy theories. Uh, Meryl exists in Red Blue. <laughs> there is no guide. Uh, and Giovanni killed himself. <laughs> Why Giovanni wants you to vote for Trump. <laughs> no. He, what, he would be a Republican, but like what he would probably be like a classic Republican. I feel like, he, he'd, I feel like he'd be a part of the Yang gang. <sighs> no, I think no, no, no. Giovanni was a John Kasich man all the way. Mm. Yeah, he would. He would definitely be like. He'd be Romney. He, he'd, right. be, he'd be <laughs> he like he'd Romney. be team. He'd be, right. No, no, no. He'd be team Romney. Well, maybe he would team be Romney. Romney. He had like, like the, the 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 magic pajamas. All right, or whatever. Well, oh, sorry. Since I just mentioned Underwear. a candidate oh, as magic. electrifying <laughs> as Andrew Yang, please tell us about the electric legendary to start us off down that second road. Mr. Uh, no, no. The first one you have to get to is. Articuno, Uno, as it were. Articuno. Oh, so we're starting on Articuno now. We're starting after with twenty minutes of tangents. Well, we did like <laughs> the intro to the birds, and now we get to the first bird. So the first legendary bird, who we will give the proper time to, is Articuno. Articuno, perhaps if you're going to pronounce it normally. Uh, it is an Arcticuno. ice and flying time, uh, an ice and flying type that you first encounter in the Seafoam Islands. And Blue, how do you spell this thing? A R T I C U N O, which I like literally had to double check it because I thought it had to be a play on the term Arctic. Um, I mean, it is, but it's weird that they didn't go with the full name. When I was a little, and like when I was a little kid, I remember being made fun of because I like, or just feeling like, you know, those like mistakes you make in like class or whatever that kind of stick with you. I wasn't made fun of for it, but I spelled it Arctic hmm. without the C the first C and I just remember being corrected about that hmm. and it stuck with me. So now like I overpronounce it Arctic and there's Arc. certain words that like I overpronounce because either it started as a joke or I was corrected on it so much that like it has stuck with me. Like the L in Salmon. I started that one as a joke, <laughs> but now I just cannot stop overpronouncing oh, dear. it. So as much as I can, I just try to refer to it as, you know, fancy locks. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's a very weird, like, and there's nothing about it that kind of justifies that particular play on the word or that misspelling, unlike other Pokemon. Like, there's nothing particularly artful about it or artsy about it. Um, it's pretty, but you can <laughs> say that about a 
least two other Pokemon yeah. in this generation. Well, and the weird thing to me is that it's not like there's a character limit. It's not like like Farfetch'd, for instance, is more characters than Articuno. Who? Duckwood Stick does not fit the character limit. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, have to, I have to use the Game Freak name here just to prove uh, the point. D-U-K-W slash S-T-I-K. So moving along... I do love pointing out the size and scale of these birds. We were talking about this with Snorlax. Um, these are big birds. Uh, these are big boids. Um, I don't Arti- have them in uh, Pokemon uh, Let's Go yet. I I don't. Can you can probably ride them in? Uh, I'm sure ooh. you could. Yeah, yeah. I, I got them. And like, what scale are they in the game? And I need to. No, I'm gonna. If Articuno yeah. doesn't have its tail trailing out after you it. like an obnoxious wedding train while you fly <laughs> on it, I will be sorely disappointed. Again, I love the idea that in Let's Go you could ride on the back of these birds, and no one will make a note of it. They'll just be like, "Hey, Baloo, what's up?" Let's yeah. Go. Not like, "Hey." You got, oh, you got that bird? That bird that everyone talks about as being legendary? Holy shit, how'd you do that? I mean, the more amazing one is that you can ride on the back of a Charizard that, like, has a flaming tail that can set everything on fire in its wake. Yeah, but that's um, just the dream that we've had since we It's kind of disappointing. It does, you, you can't, it just follows you. And it's not that big, oh, either. Aw. Like, what the heck? Look, look how big that is. That's so oh, disappointing. Yeah, like, yeah. I, these are like when I think of the legendary birds, I think I of mean, them as like the eagles from like uh, oh, uh, Lord of the yeah, Rings. Oh, yeah. Where it's just like they are these force that like they are they are the force that like you logically should use mm-hmm. at the beginning <laughs> to resolve every plot line, but somehow they just conveniently show up at various points. And there's like a <laughs> super deep like lore reason why those birds couldn't help out oh, with it at the beginning. God. Yeah, um, which is very simply that the Nazgul had their flying mounts all along and the birds wouldn't have stood a chance against them that's yeah. the reason why yeah that's Tolkien for you yeah i mean he never actually explained that anywhere but there's the answer for you guys in case you were wondering tolkien um, was worse than jk rowling in that regard of like adding something in the last minute after the fact it's oh like God, here yeah. are 20 appendices here's a full book about the whole history of middle earth oh you wanted this you didn't well i'm gonna give it to you anyway because i've invented a world I mean, I've and then later, like ten years later, he's like, "I shipped Gimli and Lake a lot. They they uh, were the they were an LBGGQ couple. Uh, you didn't even yeah. notice. Yep. There one is my favorite tweets is J.K. Rowling on her deathbed. That one house elf was a never nude. <laughs> yeah, I there's nothing I loathe more these days, and it thankfully hasn't happened in a few months. But seeing that J.K. Rowling is trending on Give Twitter time. and noticing that. And knowing that it's because she's claiming that something was, like, a plan all along. I love how social media has turned these once, like, kind of, like, social media darlings. Like, J.K. Rowling used to be, like, about four years ago, she used to be, like, a social media darling. Like, no Mm -hmm. one, like, Mm -hmm. she would say stuff, she would support all this stuff. And actually, people forget this, Elon Musk as well. Like, people, when he was originally on on Twitter, I know, now we're like, yeah. Now he's being sued for calling a guy a pedophile. Everyone, everyone, like, but then, like, recently, like, I think it's just because, like, you, you just get so comfortable with saying stupid shit. Uh, when you have your phone right here, that you don't think of the consequences. Like now, like every time, like J.K. Rowling says something, it's like, 
it, it, it pretty much turns into a meme where it's like that nobody. Uh, yeah. like, <laughs> nobody. J.K. Rowling, this, this character uh, is into BDSM. Uh, <laughs> pretty much. It, it, it's pretty much that. And, you know, Musk as well. Like, I remember early on, like, people really thought he, you know, when he was ever tweeting something on social media, they are like, oh, yeah, I'll talk about rocket ship, talk about colonizing Mars. Now it's just like, oh, my God, I, I mean, want to punch you in the face. Uh, <laughs> I mean, on the one hand, I approve of it when she's doing stuff like, Oh no, there are Jewish people in Hogwarts, like yeah. that sort of thing. Like, and she pointed out like characters that she did actually reference in the original seven books. But like, when it gets to stuff like, oh, this whole thing about like the woman who turns into Nagini in oh, the second exactly. Fantastic Beast movie, and her saying that was my plan from the start, no, it yeah. wasn't. And we're I like, know. no, you're allowed to take a mulligan on this. You did not plan all this shit out on that cocktail napkin of yours <laughs> twenty years ago. <laughs> hmm. Like, come on. Yeah. Um. Anyways. But to get back to the size of these things, the picture you showed me in Let's Go, actually pretty much to scale, because the first really? two legendary birds are supposed to be about five feet tall. And that looks to be about that, based I on the scale. I guess maybe my, I'm still being influenced by Pokemon the Movie 2000. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Their scale was bigger in that, right? Well, I don't think we saw any of the legendary I of thought No, legendary in the second birds. movie, yeah. In the second oh, movie. The second okay, movie yeah, is yeah. Pokemon the Movie 2000. 2000. Sorry, I'm thinking about Detective Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, I was just like now. Where does Ryan Reynolds play into the multiverse? Oh, I. Ryan Reynolds is himself an agent <laughs> of the multiverse. Ryan Reynolds. I think the basic implication of Ryan Reynolds. I want to believe that every movie he stars in is a different multiverse, a Ryan Reynolds unified multiverse. Well, yeah. In Deadpool, didn't they establish that Ryan Reynolds not only was Ryan Reynolds the actor? playing uh green lantern but also green lantern so that's like i don't even know how you work with that like because then he kill himself in like the the sequel yeah it's a whole thing yeah anyway yeah anyway ryan basically in any universe or timeline ryan reynolds is inevitable is what the basic (laughs) (laughs) that is my favorite thing about anybody appearing in a different property like anytime i've what like when i watch scooby-doo and like the monkeys show up it's just like yeah even in the scooby-doo universe the monkeys (laughs) are inevitable Like, just express it that way. <laughs> oh, no, it's in the, the Globetrotters would be another example, I yeah, think. Yeah, Smash Mouth show up in the new Scooby-Doo Adventures. Oh. That um, checks out. That just seems uh, right. Skrillex, I think, shows up in Detective Pikachu, so Skrillex is inevitable. Was, Who was the DJ? And I don't think it was Skrillex. I'll look it up. By the way, the, pronounce- the Japanese name for Mewtwo is Mewtwo. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, so... I'm a, so I, I'll just come out right and say it. I'm a big fan of all of these Pokemon today. This is a 100% hit list on these Pokemon today. Um, I love Articuno. I just think you know, it goes for the, it gets this kind of like Ice Queen vibe. Like I think very much of like I don't know Chronicles of Narnia and the uh, White Queen. Oh, it's Diplo who's the DJ. Diplo. There we go. Yeah, Diplo is inevitable. <laughs> so it goes death taxes diplo like yeah really there's a fun gag to do anytime easy joke anytime you go out go to a movie set in like a fanciful universe and like we have a real world celebrity appear as themselves in it you get to say that in the pokemon universe diplo was inevitable oh my goodness (laughs) um but I am a fan of all of these designs. Um, I don't have a whole lot else to say about the Icebird. I kind of talked about like general thoughts on power levels and things like that. I think it's great that they make the legendaries unique. They make them impressive and rare, but they don't break the game in terms of power levels. No. Like they kind of they feel special enough, but they're not like game breakingly powerful. 
Yeah, I think Mewtwo's uh, the only one who's really OP, and that's the point. Mm-hmm. But we'll get him soon, actually. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I've got two things. One, the shiny for Articuno. Wait, is the shining? Yeah. Oh, the sh- oh, the shiny I, I thought you said the shining. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> red rub? No, it wouldn't be red rub. It would be yeah, no, uh, ketchup. Ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good lord. Oh, sorry. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, I've it's been a been, long week. I've always been. A, <laughs> you've always been is, a Pokemon trainer. I should know. I've always been here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the shiny. The regular form is ice blue. The shinier is even icier blue, and I think that's kind of perfect. Uh, And it's potentially based on the Persian mythical creature, the Shemurg, which, while not icy, its habitat is somewhere with plenty of water, like the Seafoam Islands. Oh, the other thing of note about these birds is that all of them are in kind of optional dungeons. Like, you could play the game and completely avoid running into the birds, because... Articuno's in the Seafoam Islands. You don't have to go through there mm-hmm. to get to Cinnabar Island. You could fly to Palatown and just head south. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zapdos, which we'll get to momentarily. Or should I just send us to Zapdos now? Yeah. Go right, right. forward. Zapdos. Zapdos. It's an electric and flying type, and you first encounter it at the Kanto Power Plant, which is a completely optional one. You have to surf over there by choice. Um, I don't recall off the top of my head no there's nothing you need to do there other than get zapdos and some other electric types but point being like it's not a key area of the game moltres yeah. for the record is found in a cave on victory road yeah and this is this ties back to when i what i when i asked you to clarify what you meant by when you said you beat the original games because i mean well, you could beat no, the games no, no, by no, one I, definition I, 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 all all, yeah. all the things i i got yeah. all the things both in english and japanese yeah so uh, I want you got to the be little as impressed with you as you yeah there you go yeah. I, 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 and you know when it came to beating it in japanese i'm trying to remember how i actually did it because i think i had like a there was an internet guide that would tell there, there'd be a graph that would show all these Japanese characters. Like this is, this is a potion and stuff like that. And I would be reading it the, the entire time hmm. in order to like, kind of navigate through the interface, know what item <laughs> that I wasn't giving it. Like uh, that was giving it a potion and not like a uh, Phoenix down or, uh, or a race or something. Phoenix down. <laughs> there oh, we man. go. Uh, I have played uh, Japanese uh, imports of uh, Final Fantasy games too. Nice. <laughs> I, 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 you know, it was the '90s. We had nothing better to do. We mm-hmm. we didn't have movies. Uh, we didn't date. Uh, it was all about it was all about playing Final Fantasy VII and seeing was, if you could uh, bring Aerith back to life. Uh, no, I uh, no not Final <laughs> Fantasy. That was uh, way back in the Final Fantasy IV days. Uh, no, well. Final Fantasy three, which would in America was three, but in Japan was, was six. Yeah, that was my first. Uh, as well. But then I hated the import so much that I actually imported the emulator <laughs> in '99 uh, to get the original Japanese version. And then, yeah, I, I was crazy. I had nothing better to do. What we, you, uh, your, uh, ner- your nerd we, cred uh, is black card status. <laughs> <laughs> You've got it. Mm. No, there you go. Uh, anyway, sorry. But I do want to point out, so with Zapdos, I just have a quick thing that I want to point out to the listeners. And I mean, darling, you have your comments on the appearance of this particular legendary, but I do want to say that the lore... I mentioned the theater of the mind that we have to do with these games because of the representations. The lore definitely hints at that gap, more so than any of these other birds, because the lore says that this bird 
like, as it flaps its wings, its electricity will crackle and pop and, like, (laughs) crack off of its, like, wings and feathers and all that. It's a Rice Krispies Pokemon. (laughs) That it generates so much electricity while flying that if it flies through clouds, it'll actually create thunder and lightning storms just by passing through clouds and ionizing them. Um, So what you have is a bird that, like... It kind of makes me think of that la- like there's a ma- that amazing scene in Megamind where he's like facing off against Titan at the end, and he like says, "Oh, you're a villain, but you're not a super one. Do you know what the difference is?" And Titan's like, "What?" He's like, "Presentation." <laughs> it's like <laughs> Zapdos can do that to the other two legendaries because they just roll up like icy, fiery, and then Zapdos like causes a literal thunderstorm to approach from the horizon. <laughs> well, yeah, it's the only one of the birds that is super effective against the other two. Huh, interesting. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Can you remind me of, like, the It's Been Forever, but I, I remember getting Zapdos uh, at the Electric. What was Zapdos? Was he just hanging out there, or yeah. was he destroying the power? No, or all three of them are just sitting around, like, they basically made it their lairs. Like, yeah. each of their respective spots are their lair. Yeah, because I'm wondering, uh, going back to their part of nature, maybe he was uh, kind of, uh, if he was a mutation, then he was kind of drawing in all the huh. energy from the power plant. Or, if he was a part of nature, maybe he was trying to destroy the power yeah. Power plant. Well, the thing we know about the power plant in Gen 1 is that it's abandoned. Mm. By Gen 2, it's back up and running precisely because the Zapdos has been caught by There Red. you go. So, like, maybe these things are kind of like OG uh, Greenpeace. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're the OG Greenpeace warriors. Like, they each represent, uh, like... Well, uh, the other two are hiding in caves, though. Yeah. So, eh. Oh, well. Yeah. There yeah. we go. I mean, that's Revolution. just all the more respect for Zapdos. Then. There you go. Like, Zapdos yeah. is the only forward-thinking, like, you know what? If we're going to fight climate change, like, you have, to be, something. you have to be direct action with this shit. I mean, you can't just next... sit on the side. You can't just, like, be all like, I'm going to have this Million Man March in, like... Uh, uh, I mean, the... my ne- the next Pokemon, the last Pokemon we're going to discuss of the day is climate change the Pokemon. <laughs> I disagree with that, but we'll get to that in a moment. Oh, let's go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, Zapdos looks angry. It looks like Big Bird on steroids. About it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's got the same color. And obviously, it's based on the Native American Thunderbird. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, so to touch all back three on are based on mythology. Uh, so to touch back on Harry Potter, because this is the only personality <laughs> test that I give half a damn about. Have you guys done the Sorting Hat quiz? Do you know what your uh, shtick is? For no, which one? For, for America or for... Uh, so Thunderbird reminds me of it because I am Thunderbird for the Americans. Yeah, I'm a... Uh, uh, what was the... Pu- pu- oh, I can't I remember. have not done it because JK's complete under- misunderstanding of Native Americans is yeah. just... <laughs> well, oh gosh, don't, don't even... Mystic other stuff. Uh, have you... Yeah, yeah just... You are an English person. Your country has a, you know, eight hundred year history of being terrible to everywhere else in the world. I mean, I literally have tweeted at her on three separate occasions, asking her, "Hey, Trinidad was a colony of the British Imperial <laughs> rule for about half a century. Would I have been eligible to go to Hogwarts or mm. no? Please answer." But yeah, like I can't remember what exactly she said, but the idea that Native Americans are inherently magical in the uh, Harry Potter universe, Jesus fucking Christ. I yeah. Hate, I I yeah, I I I'm disconnect I I what was what was pug pug puggle griff or so there was one I I forget <laughs> like what it was or pug like pugwig. Yeah, there you go. That's what Wait, I ended. That's up. the American. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, pug Okay, explain what are the American houses? They're terrible. That's what I'm they sure. are. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I can't remember I the other ones I just They're terrible mine. and and racist. Uh yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe they like they, well, okay, I inherently 
hate it narrative devices of the mystic other you've heard of the mm -hmm. term mystic other where oh, yeah. like a native person who is a member of a society just is just inherently magic yeah. uh, i don't know if you heard much about the development of moana but early on in the development of that movie uh, taika waititi was actually supposed to be the one directing that movie but really he, he huh. started complaining about the mystic other stuff that you have a mystical grandma and all these characters who have like inherent magic about them mm -hmm. just because they happen to be a part of a culture that is different and and he ended up because his i guess his version of the movie wasn't like really leaning into the magical stuff as much it was supposed to be kind of about sibling rivalry or stuff like that Interesting. so eventually he left the project and then they put uh ron clements and john musker in it the uh who are very much not uh, <laughs> native uh, persons <laughs> of any uh, of any um, descent, uh, and then steered it more towards a more commercial type uh, mm -hmm. way of going about it. But yeah, Disney the, princess magic, type Disney thing. princess yeah. magic stuff, and I do get like the they you know there's uh there's two terms I hear thrown around where it's cultural appropriation if you're mm -hmm. a member of a colonizer uh, people exploiting the the culture of another and then there's cultural appreciation i hear mm. and i'm like not sure if i quite buy that because mm. i think you're only able to really appreciate the culture if you come from the privilege of being a colonizer uh a oh, member yeah. of a colonizer this culture. is true so well, yeah. i don't well, know. i think because the yeah, access the phrase... to that appreciation oh, yeah. Yeah. exactly exactly yeah. comes at that expense yeah speaking of shiny pokemon uh the zapdos shiny kind of puts a dent in Blue's theory that the favorites get good shinies, because this one is terrible. If you look at it side by side, I can't tell a real difference other than there's maybe a slight difference in yellow. See, there's a difference between my favorites and, like, game favorites. I don't know if Zapdos... I'm willing to admit that while Zapdos is one of my favorites today, like, I can fully recognize that I don't think it's had the kind of impact mm. that other Pokemon that I would cite as favorites have had. Yeah. Um, Although I think like as one of the original legendaries, it would get more special treatment. Yeah, I feel like the better dent in my theory is Snorlax, who I recognize has had that kind of lasting presence, mm. visibility, yeah. iconography, and its shiny Mr. Darling is... Kind of a darker blue? Yeah, it's another one of those shinies, just like Dugong, you can barely tell it's a shiny. Uh, Yeah, I think that one, it's more... This one, it's a little more obvious because it's black versus blue. Mm -hmm. Whereas Zapdos, it's two different shades of yellow, and it's hard to tell the difference really. Yeah, but, yeah. Which is interesting yeah. because they, because there is when I was searching for what the Snorlax shiny looks like, there is a lot of wish of, of hopeful people out there that have photoshopped different color Snorlaxes <laughs> so much that pink Snorlaxes and orange Snorlaxes show up pretty high on the Google image search for Wild. shiny Snorlax. Huh. Um, but let's, uh, if we're good with the electric legendary, let's tie it off with the third and final legendary yeah. of the day, Mr. Darwin. One who actually has kind of a pink shiny. Mm -hmm. Moltres, a fire and flying type that, as I mentioned, shows up at Victory Road. Yeah, and I am a big fan of the shiny. I think it's, uh, I think the fact that it's magenta is just the God. perfect thing because it takes it from like the Firo thing into a firmly flaming flamingo, <laughs> which is just, that is just the perfect implied play on words that they could, that they, that they could have gone for. So I'm a big fan. Um, so I mentioned climate change before. Uh, uh, let's talk about it. The lore does state that this bird's migration will cause spring to come on earlier. 
Um, <laughs> again, I think that's... See, they, see, this is the perfect uh, excuse for Trump to say climate change isn't real. <laughs> yeah. This is like, you know, like, let's Folks, keep... it's the birds. It's we the birds. We got to do something about the birds. <laughs> can These I, birds, they can keep I just coming say one thing about environmentalism? Didn't they introduce in one of the later games an envir- uh No, an animal rights activist group. Uh, that were the villains of sort of like oh, they yeah, wanted like they to were, liberate. Yeah, they po- wanted to liberate Pokemon, but they were also using Pokemon, and they were exposed as hypocrites. And is that like, what was yeah. it? it? So More basically, less, yeah. like the mo of Game Freak is like it's okay to <laughs> enslave animals. That's great. Yeah, I think like since Gen One, they've gone out of their way to say like this is what Pokemon do. It's normal. It's normal for them to be cage fighting. They <laughs> want to be owned by They want to be owned by that. So, like, there you go. It's a very uh, anti-pro. Yeah. Uh, See, okay, then it, then we have our answer to what the economy of this world is. It is obviously <laughs> very capitalistic, pro. Uh, it's a capitalistic utopia built on slave labor. It's oh built on God. the backs of the Poketariat. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're right. Don't they? Don't the Pokemon, aren't they, like, they are do, labor. They do... They do construction and so I keep yeah. forgetting They're that. They're sources of energy. I mean, back on a uh, – we'll get to the section in a minute. But Sorry. back in a previous Mons World, I talked about um, Pikachu being the source of energy for Brooklyn back in the day. What? Um, in what? this world. That was a theory. This is not me saying it's actually <laughs> canon. But I was, ju- but I, in my Mons World for the Pikachu episode, I said that they would be used to power cities. Mm. Like you'd have Pikachu power plants. Yeah. Where you sense. turn How the did... rat infestation of New York into a uh, viable pack. Okay. <laughs> this, is, this goes to my world building stuff. And again, because, you know, like when you're working on game design, you have to like think of the world uh, building mechanics. Like how did this civilization ever advance beyond like um medieval times because a lot of times uh we have great technological advances because of our limitations Mm -hmm. like uh, you were talking about electricity earlier uh we invented electricity because of our experimentation if you had a pokemon that could just electrify why would you ever build a power plant (laughs) why would you even like I, i i'm like again and like why okay why would you build planes if you had if you jo- jump on the back of an Articuno and get from Kanto to whatever? Mm. How did this civilization advance? Because mm. what was the competition? Was there wars? Uh, I, obviously, there was in a multiverse. There was a feudal era, well, but like mm. again, these are things that like keep well, me I up at night. Are... I think to counter your theory, this is a civilization that yes, they did invent cars, but they clearly don't use them because there's <laughs> only one in the entire original game. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know oh, exactly. Is... Like, why did yeah. civil? How did this civilization advance? Why did they... is is the enslavement of Pokemon a recent thing? Exactly. Well, yeah. No, because like. In X and Y, there's reference to a great war ages ago that involved Pokemon. And then Lieutenant Surge, the fighting American, as they describe him at his gym. uh, America exists in this game? Yeah. The moon landing happened in this game. Oh, my God. Yeah. They have a moon landing exhibition up at the uh, Pewter City Museum for some reason. Uh, But... And Lieutenant Surge yeah, is Lieutenant, the fighting American. Yes, that's what I said. Oh, which yeah, is right. how we got to America. Uh, so Lieutenant Surge straight up says uh, that his Pokemon saved him in the war. Yeah, I knew that. I remember that. Yeah. What war? Vietnam? <laughs> Did Vietnam happen in this world? Like, what is the geography of this world? It keeps like – again, and this is like what keeps me up at night, the world-building aspect. It's like – it's competition. Um have you ever seen that documentary, uh, Germs, Guns, and Steel? Mm, mm. Uh, where it really talks about a lot of times uh, we had these great 
technological advances because of our close proximity and our rivalry to other civilizations. And that's really what pressed us. Uh, and also our exposure to germs uh, kept uh, northern type folks uh, higher immunity to people that were uh, less immune to some of these germs in uh, North America and such. Right. Uh, but w in this world, if you had all this stuff, if you had all these animals, these magical animals that can, like, really, <laughs> like, give, like, uh, uh, fulfill all your needs, like, why would you need to invent a car? Why would you need to invent a computer? Why would you do... Well, you invent the computer to put the magical animals in there when you're not using them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I if it weren't for the fact that we've established a global presence of Pokemon, I would say that maybe this is, like, a similar offshoot of like the Godzilla thing where Godzilla is the result of radiation from atomic oh. bombs and things like that. And that's something that like a lot of science fiction in Japan has explored the effects of radiation and oh, things yeah. of that nature. But the problem is, is that because this is a global phenomenon and we have versions of Pokemon now in England um, and things like that, it, doesn't quite track yeah. with that. So the well, only country from like reality that exists in this world so far is America. And uh, never China, there's a reference to China. There's in a one reference of the Pokedex to China. Entries. In yeah. a singular Pokedex entry about Parasect in Pokemon Stadium. They mentioned that China. I thought there was another one, but yeah, it was about. Uh, We're running okay. long anyway. Oh, sorry. So <laughs> yeah, just a quick note on that though. There's a ancient 4chan shit post that I find delightful, where it's there's a long timeline that goes through like the decline and downfall of civilization through a war and everything. And the last item is 11-year-old Ash Ketchum begins his Pokemon journey. <laughs> so, I love that. So the last thing I want to mention about this Pokemon, let you guys finish up, but I do want to say that one bit of the lore that I thought was really cool, kind of comparable to the Zapdos careening through the thundercouds, is the fact that Moltres will restore itself in a volcano. Yeah. Like oh. Sleeping in lava helps it heal itself. Just like LeBron in a hyperbaric chamber. Because I love <laughs> referencing the NBA. I do want to say prayers up for Kyle Kuzma, who Oy. apparently is out indefinitely with a foot injury. Um, <laughs> you know, I was talking to a friend about this. Obviously, I'm a Clippers fan, as we, as uh, I've mentioned on past shows. I really wanted the Lakers to be at full strength because, you know, otherwise beating them doesn't matter. Um, any closing thoughts on Moltres, guys? Um, it's based on the Phoenix and the Slavic Firebird. Ooh. I love that Slavic yeah. Firebird. Hey, gotta get in the last mythological reference here, and an anti-mythological reference that you also said is that it looks like a plucked chicken. I'm <laughs> presenting that it looks more like a plucked goose. Ah, <laughs> speaking of goose, how was the game? Oh, Untitled Goose Game is delightful. I spent an hour the other day just for no reason other than because I could. There's an old man in a pub who likes to play darts and play his harmonica and throw rings onto uh, a thing. Mm -hmm. Uh. So I made a mission to steal everything of his that would keep him entertained until he was just standing there just like, where'd my stuff go? Very sadly. Oh, yeah. Um, my This is a favorite thing that Michael Darling and I will do from time to time is that we will have video game nights and we will just do the most arbitrarily annoying thing in open world games <laughs> that we could possibly do, stealing taco trucks in GTA V. Yeah. Um, and then another time in Red Dead Redemption – like, when you approach an NPC in Red Dead Redemption, you have the option to either be polite or rude in how you greet them. We but were if you alternate, NPCs. But it's amazing if you alternate because you just sound like the most moody asshole because you're like, hey there, you moron. Why are you running away for? I'm just playing around, you idiot. Hey, I was just joking, dick. 
Jesus and then Christ. eventually, so like, good. the characters will get tired of it and just start running. We <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> were chasing after some poor banker or something. Uh, in a flat-out sprint. Yeah, just yelling at him like a crazy person. Just like a moment-to-moment Jekyll to Hyde transformation. It's amazing. Although, we try. did discover if you do that enough to a female character, one of the other characters will be chivalrous and kill you. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, the threshold for doing that to a guy is you can chase a guy across the city. Is this Red Dead 2 or 1? Uh, 2. two. two. Yeah. Oh, okay. Have so you can, do, you can do this to no end to guys, but I think you can get away with it for maybe four or five exchanges with a woman, and the moment she starts running, people will come after mm. you. You get a wanted level. Yeah. Um, so... I think we got a wanted level eventually for going after the guy, but it took a longer time. Oh, yeah. Well, I think it's because I accidentally tackled him. Oh, yes, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, fun with open world oh. games aside. Speaking of worlds. <laughs> let's talk about bringing the Pokemon into our world. This is a section that we call Mon's World. A celebration of the harmony between humans and Pokemon. Okay, um, I'll start us off for this section. Um, I just given the effect, the environmental effects that we've talked about, these birds having, especially uh, Moltres that sheds fire in its wake, as it, you know, we, we live in California. It's huge risk for uh, forest fires and brush fires. I think there would be air raid sirens set up to warn of approaching Moltres, <laughs> um, and I just think these guys would be like subject to like military hunts and investigations and things like that to weaponize them. Um, yeah. But, you know, like, we're approaching, like, a kaiju level of threat in Moltres' case. <laughs> well, I think... Um, oh, uh, did you... Uh, well, I think, I'm going to bring up this. Uh, you know the difference between kaijin and kaiju? No. Uh, kaijin are the small versions that they fight. Uh, the small versions of the monsters that the Power Rangers will fight in uh, the series. And then when... Uh, they th- what's her face again? Why, uh, Rita Repulsa. Rita Repulsa throws down her mm. staff and they're like, make my creature grow. Then they become super sized. Then they become kaiju. Oh. Uh, and then you need like a robot to come and defeat them and kick their ass and stuff like that. Yeah. So mini version is a kaijin. Uh, super big version is a kaiju. Uh, there you go. That, that little t- tidbit. <laughs> that's that little tidbit. That is fantastic. Uh, I'm so I, glad it I actually, that. I was mentioning, I think it has to do, uh, the word kaijin actually exists in Japanese lore, and it had to do with um, the native uh, Japanese uh, confusing uh, what I guess seals look like <laughs> when they would show up on their shores. They would sometimes think they were uh, like these monsters and they came up with the term kaijin. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, where, where kaiju came from uh, is essentially like the large version of that. That requires like a, a team of Evangelions to destroy. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's let Sorry. that dovetail into what you think these kaijin would be doing in our world. Well, are they kaijin? Uh, I, I just, like, obsessed about the fact that they're super small. Like, they're, five, they're five feet tall. <laughs> they're five feet tall. Well, How Moltres could they be again? Moltres is Kobe Bryant's yeah, they, Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> they would be kaijin, not kaiju. Uh, yeah. So they would be um, – they probably wouldn't require all that much. I mean, like, if Articuno, like, showed up, uh, all you'd need to do is just, like – I don't know, drop like cement truck on him. Uh, that was it. It's just like, it, it really is like, they, they aren't that threatening when they're like creatures that are pr- probably like the size of like an eagle. Uh, even though eagles are big, but are they city threatening? Um, I, I would say though, if they existed in our world. Um, I mean, Moltres is straight up ostrich sides. 
Okay. Like that's that's about how big an ostrich. But it is. can fly, is the thing. Yeah, and it can fly and burn things down. Yeah, I I I guess you're probably well if. America, since America exists in uh, the Pokemon, <laughs> of course we would weaponize them. They'd be, they'd be in uh, Groom Lake right now. Yeah. Uh, they'd be in Area 51 with all the, the, the hipster Area 51 raiders right now. It's like that, that in, in Let's the multi- see them Pokemon. Yeah, uh, yeah, in the multiverse, like that's what the Area 51 is. It's like, show me Articuno. Hmm. Or I just mispronounced Articuno, didn't I? Yeah. Ar- Ar- because you Ar- added the C Ar- that I want to see there. There you go. Because it- there should be a C. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're right. They would probably – that would be the first thing. If they exist in our world, uh, we would obviously weaponize them because mm-hmm. that's yeah. just the way. We want to have the best everything. Uh, how would you weaponize them is the question I would ask you because I don't even know. I think the Air Force, as you said about why are we inventing this technology in a world where we have Pokemon, I think our Air Force wouldn't have planes. They would be flying like Articuno and Zapdos. You but have there's like the only Zapdos like three core. of them, like you said. Like, uh, they really would reproduce. Only like, uh, cloning. Oh, well, well, do cloning. they reproduce? They did because No, no. Uh, you can't reproduce legendaries in the game. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah, but that's why I'm saying you can't reproduce them, but would we clone them maybe? Probably. I mean, we, we, we've introduced that cloning. That's how we got Mewtwo. Yeah, that's how so. you got See, Mewtwo. I was speculating we'll about that, that in the lore as to why by Gen 6 or 7, Articuno aren't everywhere in the wild now that trainers from Red and Blue generation have caught them and bred them back into commonality. But that answers my yeah, question. Yeah, because so. you can't breed them. So, darling, Very what do you simple. think about this world? Uh, so, I think Snorlax would be exactly what it is in the game. It would fall asleep and just block traffic. Like, there's a great little background gag in Detective Pikachu where we see um, a champ directing traffic around a sleeping Snorlax. Hmm. Um, and I don't think the birds are actually a threat to humanity. I think with Moltres... The flames kind of flicker out like a flash fire kind of thing. Uh, unless Moltres is actually breathing fire, like using flamethrower or something, it's not going to cause much damage. It's just going to be there and be super hot. Touche. All right. Well, we've talked about the Pokemon in our world. Let's go back to them in their world and talk about how we would change or improve them. This is Monmons. Okay, so Mr. Darling, why don't you lead us off this time? Uh, so as I've said, like the legendary birds are one of a kind and immortal. So, um, yeah, there's not really much you can do. I don't want to give them evolutions or pre-evolutions or anything. Uh, I think that what you'd have to do is you'd have to fix Zapdos's shiny and just make it something as simple as like take the black and turn it white. I think I've already said a million times on this podcast, make them bigger. <laughs> they need to, if, if they're going to be kaiju, like threaten Have you Rita Repulsa throw her throw staff. Throw the damn staff. Make my creature grow. I, yeah, I, I want them to be like an intimidating threat. I Like I said, I haven't encountered them in uh, uh, Let's Go yet, but now – you know, now it's in spoil. I'm we know what like, you're doing. I you know. I'm going to go home and I'm going to like catch these uh, very disappointing-sized uh, legendaries. <laughs> you know uh, what? Yeah, I'm sorry. No, random thing that you just reminded me of is that when I was a little kid and I would watch episodes of Power Rangers and she would throw her staff down from the moon, I always wondered, how is she getting that staff back after the episode? Like She's Thor. Oh, it's a Thor thing? Because I was like wondering, like, is she like... No, she has a closet full of staff. Oh, yeah. it's like, <laughs> that was my thought. It's like, that's really it. It's like they're one use only. They're like... Uh... They're like EpiPens. <laughs> they're like, ooh. EpiPens? <laughs> they're like EpiPens. Hey, oh, my one goodness. use only. Uh, I guess you're right. So, yeah. 
So uh, my Mon Mod is pretty simple, and I kind of touched on this already, but I do... this, And this is the first time I'm going to call for a Mon Mod like this. I do want lore explaining these Pokemon's origins. Whether it's my... Whether my headcanon is correct about the mutations thing, or whether it is an actual magical thing, or a rift in the Pokemon multiverse that somehow creates them, or something like that. I just think it would be really interesting to explore. Um, really and truly, like, I just think that, like... The game's stories just have started going down those potential roads of late, rather than the very simplistic, like, I'm a Pokemon trainer, and I'm going to foil this caper and win the Pokemon League. Like, let's actually explore this world, this lore, and this biology, and stuff like that. So that's my mod. And with that, I believe we're on to the final and my favorite section of the podcast. Mon Appetit. <laughs> All right, Um, I will lead us off to close us out on this final section. Um, So I almost went with one of the birds, but each of the birds' elements kind of makes it questionable as to what quality their meat would have. And once I started thinking about that, it took me right back to Snorlax, and I just thought of the amazing marbling on Kobe beef, (laughs) and I just realized that little sleepy boy probably just has, like, because he's mostly vegetarian he's not running around a whole lot there's probably some really good marbling on his meat so i'm thinking it's just got to go with like a snorlax you know steak and just that's it simple just put in a good dry rub medium rare good good uh glass of merlot on the side While uh, uh, our guest host is making, <laughs> I, uh, I probably should have read the notes as it was going to end with like some you are uh, cannibalism. But I that well, no, is, that no, does not cannibalism. Oh, They're not human. Oh, you're right. You're, you're right. Not no, first... you established that he eats it's other based... Pokemon. Oh, uh, you, well, yeah, Snorlax well, yeah. eats other Pokemon. Yeah, but we're so not they're... Pokemon. Okay, that's right. You're uh, not the first person to come onto this podcast and be surprised by the end. Shout out to past co-host Alex Cresswick, who, when we got to the end of the episode, thought it was going to be a segment about which Pokemon would eat other Pokemon in a natural ecosystem. <laughs> and found out we were talking about eating the Pokemon uh, ourselves. Wait, uh, that is always like kind of intriguing because, again, you probably know better than me. What do the people in this world, the human characters eat. They do establish that there's beef and stuff. Do uh, They're well, very vague about where that meat is coming from. Is it Pokemon meat? Here's the thing. We know that in the new game, there's going to be a mechanic where you can make curry that you or your Pokemon could eat. And there are like so many different flavors of curry. So when we play that, we'll find out more maybe about what exactly people eat in this universe. Yeah, That's so all side- I can say for now. So sidebar to that, <laughs> Two things. You just reminded me of the social network and the fact that uh, that one character got like. You know what's cooler than eating five Pokemon? Eating ten Pokemon. Oh my well, God. the fact that he got like in trouble in the school newspaper for feeding his chicken a piece a piece of chicken. Oh my God! Animal <laughs> so watch your step here, ga- game freak. Um, the other side of it is the fact that uh, in the show, and we've talked about this other pet fan theory that Ash is actually in a coma. Because at the beginning of the show, we see other real-world creatures that we can recognize, like squirrels that are non-Pokemon animals. And so we're led to believe at the start of Pokemon, the anime, that there's Pokemon, and then they're animals as we know them, and they kind of coexist. Um, Later on in the show, our type of zoology completely disappears. I think we've seen, like, fish, but outside of that. Yeah, 
It's the very... Pokemon ate them all. Yeah, <laughs> it so was like, another uh, mass extinction event. So we might have seen like a stray cow in like the background of an episode early on, but now we would see a Militank in the background yeah. instead. Uh, yeah. So these well, things are slowly being replaced, and the, the, it feeds into the theory that Ash is actually in a coma after the first episode. <laughs> Where does that? <laughs> when like Pikachu sh- thunder shocks him, like to when the Spearows have to attacked. like attack to like save him from the Spearows, he actually passes out and is in a coma after that. Being well, that, that would make sense class. if he was like in our world. And then, like, you know, Alice in Wonderland down the rabbit hole and then ended up in the Pokemon world. But it seems like he's in our world. It's just now it's, like, kind of fading away and more. So, yeah. So he was in a world that was, like, halfway between our world and the true fanciful world that we've been seeing in the show. But the coma just took him completely into that. And that's why he's perpetually 12 years old. I love the internet. That's why he never actually gets hurt. Like, he gets burned. He's super strong. Why he can pick up incredibly happy Pokemon, yeah. Everything why he never is out. aging. Yeah. It's why he can make Team Rocket fly to another galaxy every episode, and they're always back <laughs> ten minutes later. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, I like that theory. So, the question is, how are you eating one of these? How am I eating them? Yeah, how would Who you want to prepare? How would you want to prepare? Oh, gosh. Uh... How about this? Take a moment to think. No, no, I, I would. It would probably be a fish Pokemon. It would either. No, you be, have to pick from the four. Oh, today. I, for the four. That's why I said oh, I was going to go with one of the birds. Okay, Your um, luck just got harder. Gosh, uh, probably uh, Moltres, just because I know it's probably already slightly cooked. So you're thinking like grilled chicken sandwich, or maybe like a fried chicken bucket? Yeah, probably. Um, hmm. Popeye's spicy style. I've always thought Zapdos has some amazing looking drumsticks on it. Ooh, good point. Oh, darn it. Yeah. yeah. I worry that it's kind of like eating like a super large crow, though. Like it's very like stringy, lean type of Mm. thing. Like I get like a very crowy type of vibe. I think Moltres is definitely like the holiday. I'd honestly, I'd honestly like chop it up and throw it into a chow mein. Nice. Ooh, (laughs) I like it. Moltres. Peking Moltres. Yeah. I mean, I've said like. I already said Moltres has that goose belly. So, yeah, it's a delicious-looking goose. It's probably pre-roasted because it's a fire type. So let's just cook it with some potatoes and carrots, and we got ourselves a nice, big, tasty bird for dinner. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's like a – I think that would be like the Survivor Man type of tip for surviving in the Pokemon world. Like hunt for a fire fire type bird Pokemon because the meat's already pre-cooked and ready to eat <laughs> once you kill it. But that does bring us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for coming on. You were a ton of fun. (laughs) We're going to try to bring you back for Gen 2 or sometime later (laughs) on again. But in the meantime... Uh, tell us a little bit about what you're working on. Where can people find oh, you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry if I buried the lead. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was actually uh, supposed to come on this podcast to promote uh, a Kickstarter for my comic. Uh, I'm a comic book writer. Uh, I have another book out called Archon uh, through Action Lab. Uh, I was doing a Kickstarter for a comic called Social Fiends. But, unfortunately, to get into the realm of uh, slightly uh, labor politics, <laughs> uh, Kickstarter came out as notoriously anti-union Boo. on uh, Saturday. Uh, so, five five days into our campaign, we took a vote and we decided to pull our campaign from <laughs> Kickstarter uh, to take a stance against their anti-union campaign. Uh, uh, attitudes hmm. so i am not uh technically working on anything at the moment <laughs> but we are we still we plan on uh doing another campaign for um social fiends 
uh, at a later date uh, if we find a um, a platform, a crowdfunding platform that is both uh, pro-union and not uh, facilitating a bunch of comics gate incel type mm. bad kind of uh mm. vibes uh there so in the meantime yeah uh follow me on the twitters or or follow uh our um our uh twitter uh, handle for our comic uh social underscore fiends uh on both uh twitter instagram facebook all all the social medias uh it's a fun comic you know it's uh, uh i i was off air, I was pitching it to uh, uh, Darling here, uh, as it's sort of like uh, um, V for Vendetta meets Underworld. Uh, <laughs> everything I do is like something random meets something. Uh, my first comic was Harry Potter uh, meets Casino. Uh, then I was pitching uh, another comic that I was working on, hence the Kaijin reference, uh, which is like <laughs> gonna be uh, uh, the Super Sentai genre uh, meets the Patty Hearst kidnapping. <laughs> 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 uh, this one is uh, is uh, Underworld, uh, uh, like uh, V for Vendetta meets uh, Underworld, where it's like uh, Republicans' worst nightmare, where it's uh, werewolves who are anarchists, uh, vampire anti antifa uh vampires ninjas hmm. so wow. it's, it's a bunch of like really eclectic stuff thrown into the mix um we were doing pretty good for a while and then like we just decided to take a stand so uh follow us on the on the social medias and uh you know hopefully when we find a platform that is ethical <laughs> ethical and good uh we will put it back up there and we would love your support i would love your support links. my paycheck would love your support <laughs> links to all those social media outlets are going to be in the show notes if you just click up in the app that you're listening to us on right now uh but mr darling where can people find you what have you, you been can working find on? me on twitter at future has been and i've been working on a lot of behind the scenes fact checking stuff right now so hey very necessary work and that's why people should support paid journalistic outlets uh that's what your subscriptions are going to when they're when you see journalism behind but a not the new york times they've got enough money you can find somewhere else <laughs> i was just about to say the washington post actually <laughs> um, support your local paper support wherever that may be local papers and outlets um don't and support unions yes definitely. <laughs> like i understand i understand that times are tough but you know what pick two publications to support for and to get behind that paywall because you know everybody's doing the work out there um, for my part, uh, my big plug is something I've mentioned on a previous episode, but it's up. It's finally up and available for sale. Uh, the audiobook recording of my third self-published novel, Drawful the Awful, if you like fantasy comedy, and me doing dumb voices, then this is the audiobook for you. <laughs> that being said, uh, you can also follow the Mon Men uh, Twitter account at Mon Men Pod, and we're also on Facebook. Um, but for now, I do believe we're good to go. Yeah. All right. Let's well, get the fuck out of here. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We are going to have you back sometime. Mr. Darling, thank you as always for being my stalwart co-host and for gracefully seeing your lead slip. But I have a plan for the final episode that I've been <laughs> I'm sorry. I, you know, I didn't so know anything about this, worry. and I, I, I threw off your system. We need to have set rules at the beginning of season two, because this is all I know you're going to love this when I, I debut it to you. Um, Let's just wrap this thing up. 
So I can wrap it up by saying that I am Yonato Blue. Here's I am Michael Garland. And I'm John Benez. Thanks for being here. Feather, the bird man dead, I fly in any weather. Alligator seats with a head in the inside. Smile on the dash, G-Wagon, so fly. Number one, don't tangle and twist it. When it comes to these cars, I am that the Gucci with the matching interior. Three-wheel ride with the tie in the middle. It's fresh and stunner, and we like brothers. We shine like pink, daddy. It's our summer. Get up, 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 get up